Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. Amen. Been looking forward to this service before Christmas. Um, our Christmas service, where what we are doing this morning is lifting up worship and praise to Jesus Christ, the one who came to save us in this season. Um, I have a favorite Christmas song, and I want to read you the lyrics of this Christmas song because I want you to hear why I like it so much. Let me read you the words. And no, it is not Jingle Bell Rock. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come. Offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Why did I just read you the lyrics of that? Is it because we're going to sing it at the end of service? No, but we are. That's not why I sing it to you. We are going to join together and sing that at the end of service. But the reason why is because this has become my favorite Christmas hymn, mainly because of the rich theology it contains. There's no fluff here. This isn't a fluffy, uh, yay, Santa Claus, snowdrift Christmas song. This song contains some of the richest theology of any Christmas hymn I've ever seen. Listen to this set of words. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. We're singing that through this child that was born, God is going to reconcile sinners unto himself. That's beautiful. Then we go down a little bit. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. 
So all three members of the Trinity, who's, who's, who's down with the Trinity? I know we are here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One in essence, three in persons. Hail the incarnate deity. The baby is God the Son. This little baby in a little feeding trough is God the Son. All God, all man, born on this earth. Jesus, our Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Jesus is God with us. Isn't that beautiful? Then we go to probably three of my favorite lines in the whole thing. Born that man no more may die. Jesus Christ came to give us what? Eternal life. Born to raise the sons of earth. What's going to happen? We may die, this body may die, but what's going to happen when he returns? We will rise and we will ever be with him. Listen to this. Born to give them second birth. We were dead in our trespasses. And through Christ we have been born again into a brand new life. Is that not beautiful? Is that not a beautiful Christmas hymn? Do y'all need to be maybe drinking a little water to get ready for the end of service when we all sing it together? Maybe so. But be ready because I want us to sing this together at the end of service. Because for one thing, I love it. And for another thing, we're going to sing praise and worship to God the Son, born in flesh to save us from our sins. Is that not wonderful? Is that not wonderful? They're powerful lyrics and they point us to the true reason for Christmas. You see, it, it is easy to get caught up in so many things during this season. Okay? It's easy to get caught up with all these different things during this season of Christmas, right? But listen, we should enjoy Christmas, okay? We're not, we're not going to be curmudgeons and say, well, you better take that tree out of your house. You better stop doing all this because you're dishonoring Jesus. No, that's not true. We do celebrate. We, I think we should celebrate. I think it's a beautiful thing to celebrate Christmas. But how much more joyful could the season be if we could just grasp the true reason for it? Wouldn't it be so much better if we could just grasp the true reason why we celebrate? You see, Christ did not come to give us a cute holiday. We have a cute holiday. That's not why he came. Christ did not come to make us rich and healthy. No matter what they say on TV. That's not why he came. Christ did not come because we were so awesome. That he couldn't handle the thought of heaven without us. That's not why he came either. He came for a very specific purpose. And I hope that as we search these scriptures, which there are many as you can see from your paper. I hope that we can see and grasp what is the true meaning of this season. Let's find the reason, okay? 
Now hear the infallible, inspired Word of God. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let us pray. Father God, this is a beautiful passage. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we have access to this passage to see the beauty and glory of the birth of God the Son. That the angels themselves could not contain their praise because Jesus Christ was born. God, we ask that you would remove any veil from this text that we may see you clearly in what you have to say to us. Bless us with the revelation knowledge of this word that we may retain it and use it in our daily lives. Holy Spirit, illuminate our minds for this. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a beautiful story. There, there may not be many more beautiful words written in the Bible than what we just read. The reading that we read at first is also a masterpiece. But this is beautiful. A storytelling that, that opens our eyes, right? We, we begin to see it happening in our minds because of how it's told, right? And it's beautiful. And as we were sitting at my dad's yesterday having Christmas dinner with my family... And he turned on Charlie Brown Christmas, and Linus got up and quoted this. I turned to Casey, I said, he's using my text. And it was, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. It's beautiful. And it brings across the beauty of the birth of Christ. Yet, though it's a beautiful text, it brings across the true reason for the season clearly if we'll just dig in and grab a hold of some things in it. I want to focus in on two specific verses 
in this text. It's all in context together. But these two verses bring out some important points that we need to understand in order to grasp what the true meaning of this season is. Verses 11 and verses 14. Let's look at verse 11 first. Let me read it again to you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The key word in that verse is Savior. Christ the Lord is Savior. There's an interaction later on in the chapter that I think even expands on the fact that this little baby is the Savior even more. So let's, let, let's go there as well. Let's, let's look at what it says there. Luke chapter 2, we're going to go down to verses 25 through 35. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. You see, uh, Joseph and Mary had brought Jesus into be presented at the temple, basically his dedication. And there was a man named Simeon there. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In these verses, there are seven specific phrases that point to Christ as Savior. Simeon is holding in his hands a little baby that is the Savior of the world. This little baby was Savior of the world before the foundations of the world. That's Scripture. The first phrase I want to look at that he exclaims as he's, as he's holding the baby is this. He says the words, your salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is redemption from the wrath of God for our sins. Our sins must be punished with God's wrath. So we need to be saved. Because there's two options with that wrath. The wrath will either be poured out upon you, upon your death, where you will suffer forever in hell for your sins, or that wrath was poured out upon Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, and you 
are saved. So he is holding the salvation of God's people in his hands. Now, the next phrase. In the presence of all peoples. In the presence of all peoples. I want you to understand something about this Bible that we hold. If you go back to the Old Testament, that book, when it was by itself alone before Christ, that book was held by one group of people. They got it only. The Jews only held the Old Testament. But what Simeon is saying here, he says, in the presence of all peoples, the God's salvation is being shown. So what's he saying? He's saying that every people group, not just one, has access to the gospel. That means that there is hope for anyone who hears the gospel. Why do we share the gospel? Because that is the hope for anyone for salvation. That's why we share the gospel. Then he says, like for revelation to the Gentiles. He said something so scandalous here. And guess where he said it? In the temple. He said something super scandalous in the temple when he says it's light for revelation to the Gentiles. You see, the Gentiles can be received into the kingdom of God through Christ. This baby is going to change everything. He's changing the whole religious system. Because up until that point, it was only the Jews. Circumcised on the eighth day. That's it. You're the only ones in. The rest of you, no. But Christ is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And then it says, glory to your people, Israel. The promise that God made to Abraham that his descendants will be as the sand of the, by the sea and as the stars in the sky is now revealed in a little baby. It will be fulfilled through this little child that Simeon's holding. Then it says, appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Not all of his people will receive him. In fact, many of his people will reject him as we read in John 1. Those in power mainly are the ones who will fall. Those who will not receive him. The Pharisees. People call the Pharisees the religious people of the day. We misunderstand what the Pharisees were. When we say that they are the religious people of the day. Pharisees are not religious. Pharisees are heretics. The Pharisees wanted to move outside of what the word of God said and teach their traditions. You follow our rules. Because I've read it all. Okay? I don't see anything about how you wash your hands and wash your pots. 
I don't see how, I don't see any text on how many dangly things you got to have on your rope. Okay? The Pharisees were teaching another word. They're heretics. And they were ruling the Jews at the time. So we don't think that the, that the, that the religious people are the ones who are the trouble. The people who are trying to hold on to the word of God, they're not the trouble. In fact, they were probably pushed out by the Pharisees because the Pharisees wanted to teach what they wanted to teach. They wanted a, to make a bunch of clones of themselves so that they could lord over them. In Matthew 24, Jesus himself tells of the fall of the Pharisaical system. And guess what? In AD 70, the old system was destroyed along with the city of Jerusalem. And who rose? He said there will be many who fall and many who rise. Well, who, if the Pharisees and the leaders of the day fell, who rose? The apostles who founded a church whose builder and keeper is Christ. A church that still stands in this building and in many other buildings around this whole world that names the name of Jesus Christ. That trusts in the word of God. A church that has grown and moved and grown. <clears throat> then it says, a sign that is opposed. You wonder why we sang Old Rugged Cross this morning. This is Christmas. We're supposed to sing about the baby in the manger, not the cross, right? Well, guess what? Simeon's holding the baby. And he says, he will be a sign that is opposed. Why is he a sign that is opposed? Because the cross is despised. The cross was despised then. It's despised now. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, the cross was scandalous. It was not talked about in society. To talk about the cross in your home in those days would be like you talking about something very awful right in front of your three, four, five-year-old kid. It was profane. It was scandalous. But to the early Christians and to us, it was where our hope lies. Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. He never left the cross out. Peter never left the cross out. These men preached the cross because the cross was the hope of salvation. Even though it was a sign that was opposed. And lastly, he says, thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Men's hearts are laid bare before God. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of the joints and of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Christ came and laid men's hearts open. How many times in Scripture do we see when Christ has an interaction with somebody? He's, it says, knowing their hearts. Christ knew their hearts. Why? Because He was God. Christ knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're going through. And guess what? We can't hide. He sees when we have a dead stone heart and we need a new flesh one. He sees when something is troubling, something is sinful. He sees it all. Why? Because he's the Savior of the world. All who would come to him, he will in no, no way cast out. You see, he came to save us. And because of that, we can come to him. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We now can come to a Savior. Let's look at verse 14, because we've got more to, more to find out about this, this Savior in this verse. Verse 14 is an exclamation of praise. When we sing together on, on Sunday mornings, what we're doing is we're praising. But listen, when we pray together on Sunday mornings, you know what we're doing? We're praising and worshiping God. When I read from the Word of God, and you all are listening and, and, and hear that, guess what it's doing? It's driving you to worship God. When you hear the sermon, it's driving you to worship God. Why? Because God must be worshiped. And in this moment, God the Son is born on this earth, and the multitude of the angels of heaven cannot resist the need to praise and worship God, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those who, with whom he is pleased. So first of all, we see that Christ's birth brings glory to God. First Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why it is through him that if we utter our amen to God for his glory. Why? Because all of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ. Why? For his glory. That's why. Every prophecy is fulfilled in Christ. Every promise to Abraham is fulfilled. Where? In Christ. All of the promises made to the children of Israel are fulfilled. Where? In Christ. So, the angels have to sing out, 
Glory to God in the highest. Glory to Him for His promises are true. And now we who are the recipients of that promise will lift up worship to God and glorify Him. Next, we see that Christ's birth brings peace. For it says, and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. 1 Timothy 2.5 answers why we have peace now. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. You see, in, in World War II, you had two sides that fought. And when they came together, because we had whooped them so soundly, they came together to negotiate peace. Do you know what they had? A mediator. The mediator helped to negotiate the peace. That's how wars have ended many times. Not recently, but that's how wars usually ended. A mediator. See, we were at war with God because of our sin. There was no peace with God while you were in your sin. You were at war with Him. The, the, the evil, the sin within you fought against God and what He desired for you. Fought against His law. But there is now... In Christ, a mediator to bring peace on earth. In Christ, we have our mediator. And what has this mediator done for us? Colossians 2, 13 through 14. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Listen to this next verse. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside. What did he do with it? He nailed it to the cross. Our mediator has canceled our debt. He nailed it. So now, these things that we must understand are the very things we need to understand most in this season. You see, Christ, that little baby born in a manger, came with one purpose. Christ came to die. That's why he came. It was his specific purpose from birth. There was no change of plans. The plan was shed forth before the foundation of the earth when God made the covenant of redemption with himself as the Godhead to redeem a people to himself. This was the only plan. Christ's coming to save us from our sin was never plan B. It was always plan A. The joys of this Christmas season are wonderful. And they're not sinful in themselves. There is, however, listen to me, deeper joy 
in the incarnation of God the Son and His great sacrifice for us. How much deeper is the joy that we can have if we will put that as our focus? Gifts are fun, okay? I love giving and getting gifts. I like it. It's wonderful. I enjoy seeing people's faces light up when they get a gift. I love it. But listen, Christ's sacrifice for sin and our salvation was the greatest gift. So don't get caught up in the gifts. I love decorations and lights. Love them. Can't be married to my wife and not love them. But Christ, listen, but Christ is altogether lovely. And he is the true light of our salvation. The decorations and lights are beautiful. But Christ is the most beautiful light that we can see. So don't lose Christ in your celebrations. Let me say this. If you're called on to do your Christmas prayers for your family, as I am every time, don't leave out the cross. Don't leave out the gospel. Don't leave out the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ, the little baby born in the manger. Don't forget the cross. He was born and placed in a manger that took the place of a cradle for one purpose. To one day go to the cross, take our sin, endure the wrath of God, and satisfy God's justice forever for all who would be born again. He was very purposeful in that. He endured the worst in order that he could make a way to redeem us. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 23 through 25 says this. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. His own people and all the Romans crucifying Jesus reviled him. Yet he loved them. And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He suffered for us who were born again, and he took our sin and God's wrath and entrusted himself to the very God who had to pour out the wrath on him. He took our sins so that we may die to sin and be clothed in his righteousness through his work. You see, we were we were we were dead in sin power of the cross and the crisis endured has healed us.
no longer dead, made alive. He has brought us to life forever in Him. We, the stray sheep, have been redeemed and brought back to the shepherd who is Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We are now His through His sacrifice. Why? Why? Why would He do this? What is the result of Him doing this? You ready? Revelation 21, verses 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. When Christ returns and we join him forever, this is our result. Why? Why such glorious hope for us? Why would he do this? Is it because he came to give us a cute holiday? No. Because he came to make us all rich and healthy? No. Is it because he thinks we're so awesome that he could stand heaven without us in it? No. All of this happened. The covenant of redemption happened for one reason. For the ultimate glory of God. It's for his glory. He promised and he delivered. He has ultimate victory. We must give him all of our best worship. Oh, is he worthy? Is he worthy? This is all true. Everything we've talked about today is all true. For one reason. Because Christ was born. He did it. He was born. So, that being said, I want us to end this Christmas service together standing. Let's all stand. And I know it's not our usual to sing at our church without uh, some of the best music in the whole world. Right, Jesse? That's right. But I want us to lift up this Christmas hymn to our Savior. I want us to sing this together because this is the most beautiful story ever told. The most wonderful Savior. The most beautiful thought I can think is that Jesus Christ was born to die to save me so that I can be with him for all eternity. What a beautiful Savior. Let's all sing together. Hark the herald angels sing. You ready? 
Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Pray, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Beautiful job. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you lifting up worship, for that is the purpose why we are in this house this morning. For you are holy, you are just, you are merciful, and you are good. And you have redeemed us through Christ Jesus, and we could never lift you up enough, we could never worship you enough, we could never share enough, we could never speak the gospel to anybody enough to repay you for all that you have done for us. But in this season, help us to keep that as the forefront of our minds, that Christ came to die for us. Help us all to remember the reason for this season. God, I ask that you would bless each family here. Each family represented is is beautiful and precious to me, and I know they're beautiful and precious to you. So God, I ask that you would bless them. Help them during this holiday season, God. God, if there's members of their family they can't see because of this awful virus or for other reasons, God, give them peace in their hearts, knowing that this too shall pass and that one day it won't matter. Sickness won't matter because we will be with you forever in heaven. And we thank you for that. God, I ask that you would touch the heart of any person who may not be a believer, who may not know Christ. God, touch their hearts, convict them. Draw them unto yourself, for you are the Savior. That they may repent, place their trust in Christ for the the forgiveness of their sins. 
We give you honor. We give you praise. There's none like you. We love you and we thank you. God, thank you so much. In Jesus' name.